0: How do I recognize my assets and then develop those? How do I recognize my weaknesses and then minimize those? It takes forever. (laughs) It's a combination of a lot of things like therapy, voice lessons, working with certain producers, having better friendships, meditating, exercising. It's this big soup of trying shit and seeing what feels right and what doesn't. And it's such a personal journey to like finding out what those things are for you.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to Let It Out with me. I'm your host, Katie Delbout. This week, back on the podcast, first time since 2017, 2016, 2017, it was episode 160. And this is episode 354. So hundreds of episodes between them, back by popular demand, Misty Boyce. With a beautiful voice (laughs) Our friend Val told me her last name And then said that after And I've never forgotten it She does have a beautiful voice And is a tremendous musician She plays the keys right now She's touring with the band Lord Huron Playing the keys And she's pregnant Which we talk about in this week's episode Misty has previously toured with Cerebralis and Borns and played Saturday Night Live which we talk about here and her solo projects her solo music is truly incredible. And I really hope everyone listens to all of her albums, but especially her most recent album, Genesis, which we speak about a bit in this week's episode. She's one of the most wise people I know. And you'll hear about all the wisdom she's given me over the years and multiple states and multiple places and multiple times in my life. We talk about body image as a musician and someone publicly seen. We talk about Vedic meditation, which has made a tremendous impact on her. We talk about being pregnant and touring as a musician, getting back to touring after COVID, getting to know yourself, navigating parents as grown ups, body image, uncertainty, change. She's incredible. And this is a longer one. I got to do it in person at her home in LA and see my friend And I'm just really happy we got to record this. So I want to get to that as soon as possible. Just a couple quick housekeeping announcements. If you still want to join and process the membership I lead. I would love to have you. It's starting next week on September 22nd. 22 is my lucky number. So we push the start date back a week. And if you've been considering it or have any questions about it, just send me an email. My email is katie at let it out with three Ts. And I would love to talk to you more there and just connect with you further. I'll tell you more at the end, but thank you so much for being here and enjoy my conversation with Misty. Misty, welcome back. I'm so happy we're doing this. Hi. We were just talking about how the first time you came on the podcast was like five years ago, right after we met. Mm-hmm. I don't. I meant to listen back to that conversation, or at least think about what we talked about. I don't remember. I think it was pretty eating disorder heavy. <laughs> it was. Yeah, I remember that much because <laughs> I've gotten a lot of messages from people about that episode being impactful, and mm. I think we had a really good. We re- that was like one of the first things. I don't even know how we like got in there when we met that we had that in common, unfortunately, like so many of us do.
0: I think it was really fresh in my mind at that time. Yeah, me too. So it was like an easy thing to just get get right into.
1: I actually do remember us talking about it because I think we were in like the pool or something. Yeah. And we talked about it and then, you know, became friends, did the podcast and stayed friends and here we are. (laughs) I was telling you before we started recording that I feel really close to you, even though you're not a friend I see that often, I do feel really close to you because I think we've had a lot of bonding experiences. Like We met kind of in this interesting way in Hawaii through our friends at this Ram Dass retreat, which was so wild and and brought up so much for us. And I think I remember going home from the airport, at being at the Hawaii airport. Do you remember that? And it was like us and John and Sam, and then we all kind of left each other. And I think you left first.
0: Oh, Dude. I don't remember that.
1: Yeah, I think it. I remember it like the, that trip ending, and then and then we kept, and You know, I'd see you. I was in New York then, and then I remember you gave me some really good advice. And you you saw me at like a real low when you were. Remember we met near. Mm-hmm. Times Square, you were about to play Saturday Night Live. Yes. And it was raining and our friend Yuria and I met you and another time you saw me at my worst until recently when you <laughs> took me to urgent care. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Have you talked about the cactus incident on the podcast
1: yet? I don't I maybe mention you know what? Let's get in there. <laughs> Let's get in there. That's a big deal. <laughs> so where do we even begin? Basically, Misty and our friend who's done the podcast and I, um, we I don't know how the three of us started kind of having like a quarantine monthly hang, the three of us, which was so nice and nourishing. Mm-hmm. And we went on one really great hike. And then I remember leaving that just being, we were like joking around, like it's I'm high from being around people, but I was also nervous to be around people. It was just yeah. great. Yeah. And really like at the thick of the pandemic mm-hmm. at that time. And then a couple of months later, we were due for another hike and it was, right around my birthday and we just start off and I guess we should mention we need to go to the bathroom. So we all peed first. Right.
0: <laughs> that was a very important, that's how it started. We had this like bonding pee, pee moment out in public uh-huh. in very Griffith public. Park.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> we were not, on the, everyone's like, when I tell the story, like what kind of hike, were you in Joshua Tree? Like what kind of hike were you on? And I'm like, just, we're right here. <laughs> yeah. Just back door. The main hike here. Yeah. <laughs> but it is a, a special way of your way up mm-hmm. and which we should do I think I need to like reclaim it I think we need to do
0: it again <laughs> yeah yeah it's like it's like Laird Hamilton he, he's like th- what you have to do after you a major wipeout is just get right back out there yeah. before your brain like tricks you into never doing it before yeah. the fear like just builds up and builds and builds and builds and then you never get back out yeah we, we gotta we're doing we, we gotta reclaim the, <laughs> the cactus hike
1: yeah. So we go to the bathroom, we're laughing, we're like having so much fun. And then we're starting our way up. And the, as you say, it sucks for what, five minutes? And then it's easy. This yeah. Version of the hike that you took us on. And then I just, I think I was laughing. I think I was like talking to Val and I, was, I lost my footing and I was going to like fall on top of her or you. And I just like took a tumble and I caught myself with both of my hands with like all of my weight on the ground but into a huge
0: cactus into a cactus and (laughs) hilarity slash trauma ensues yeah it wasn't funny at the time it's still not funny I wasn't I was more
1: I was okay like I didn't really notice how bad it was like I wasn't crying or anything and it didn't it kind of hurt but it was more like I didn't really realize, I kind of had my hands out and then you guys were like, <gasps> and then that's, I think when it yeah. hit me. <laughs>
0: like five minutes into us, like trying to pick out each needle, uh-huh. you were like, you guys, this hurts so bad. And you started like, I could, I was like watching the waves coming. Like you were like, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Oh my God. It's not <laughs> fine. You know, you were like trying to be okay. And it just like, it wasn't okay. And it was okay for us yeah. for not to be okay for oh, you. God. Like, because that was intense.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was really intense. And it was funny because it was so real life. And I was with the two most nurturing friends that I have. And you were really good at picking out like the actual tactile picking out cactus splinters from my hands. You were weirdly very good at. And then Val's like rubbing my back. And at one point, she's like, it's okay if you can want to cry. And then I just
0: burst into tears. <laughs> it was so sweet. Like, you needed permission uh-huh. to feel your feelings and I'm glad she gave you that. I w- just want to say, anybody who, like, has this experience, yeah. my one regret is picking out all the needles right away because it made it so tricky to then go to the ER and explain what happened because then they couldn't see anything. Yeah. And they're like, what do you mean there's cactus? <laughs> and, and like, it just felt so confusing to them. So... In hindsight, I wish we had just taken you straight yeah. to the hospital instead of like sat there and picked them all out ourselves, even though we, di- we did a nice, the best job we could. Yeah. But
1: I, I mean, who could have known? And that was the thing that like I think was so wild about it is that you'd ha- you you would were the only person that I've met who had because you did this when you were a kid
0: because
1: mm-hmm. uh, I grew up, you grew up in New Mexico. I
0: grew up in New Mexico and off the bus stop, there was a prickly pear cactus and I think I, from watching the Jungle Book one time, I was like, oh, prickly pear is something you can eat. And I saw the bear pick the prickly pear. Uh, and I'm in a poem now. <laughs> so it was like, I just grabbed one with my hands, oh, uh, hand, and yeah, essentially, yeah, just had like a billion little tiny guys in there. But none of the big ones, like you, <laughs> you putting your full weight on a full cactus, with the full needles, uh-huh. <laughs> I had a small, whole other thing. Large. I
1: had, had. I think it was like a couple breeds of cacti. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a lot going on there. <laughs> I kind of looked like Edward Scissorhands. Like there were like some long guys,
0: yeah, sticking out, and you still have them in there because yeah, in the doctors were like, "You should just let them integrate." Yeah. So now you're a botanical. Cactus.
1: Yeah, my friend was very sweet. It, like there were so many funny things. Like my val came that night to my birthday party, and did we tell you this? Mm-hmm. So she came with like. She's like, I, I thought this was a little on the nose, but for some reason she like happened to have, or I think she, I don't know if she bought it or happened to have it, but it was like a cactus cups and straws and like oh, birthday themed
0: thing. Oh, that's cute. Maybe too soon, but. Maybe too cute. soon. <laughs> yeah, it was
1: so it was sweet and funny. And I mean, it, it was just, it was really, you guys were so nice about me, like being able to tell you like, this is what they're saying. I, Cause I couldn't, like, I couldn't cut, vegetables i couldn't do and i got very familiar with the fruit cart man at the end of my street because i would go there to buy fruit because Mm -hmm. i couldn't cut anything and Mm -hmm. my friends had to help me you know so it was it was a it was a lot but now i say like when something bad happens i'm like well no it's not cactus hands
0: it's not cactus (laughs) hands you that's that's a new low yeah it puts things into
1: perspective And it, you know, really, like, it really wasn't that bad, but you really did, like, you, Misty was the one that took me to urgent care and, like, really saw me at my worst and. Which isn't that bad. Well, it wasn't great, but it was also, like, so sweet because, can I say this on the podcast? Mm Mm-hmm. It was also the day I found out that you were pregnant yeah. in the car on the way to urgent care, <laughs> and it was just like it was also like such a bummer because it was this really happy day for me that something with my friend being so excited and so joyful, and mm. I just wanted to like sit in that and not not be dealing with like a logistical thing, but I just but not today we can celebrate that
0: yeah, <laughs> and it, it was part I don't know I'm I'm sorry for you to have had to go through that, but it also like was kind of fun.
1: Yeah. I'm sorry.
0: It was fun. <laughs> it was. It felt like a bonding moment. It yeah. felt like something. We like, won't forget it. Like look how rich life is. Yeah. Like this can happen all yeah. of a sudden. And yeah. But I didn't have to suffer any of the pain. I just had to like be by your side well
1: that was what was so cool that you and val said like you ca- i can- i ran into val like a couple of days ago at kitchen mouse and pete was there and he was like oh your hands and i'd kind of forgotten about it and she mentioned this she was like yeah it was so funny you were like you and misty should do that like <laughs> apparently i said that and y- and you guys were like uh and we'll leave you here like what, yeah what? like
0: wait what no we're not gonna do that now
1: And I was, I couldn't, like, and that's actually, like, a thing I think about a lot because I do, that was, like, a a big example of this thing that I do often, which is, like, when something I was planning on doing and excited for doesn't go my way or there's a twist in my plan, I have a lot of trouble being okay with that. I mean, I think everyone does. But even if it's, like, a day where I'm, like, well, I was going to meditate now and then this happened, like, it's hard for me to come back. Yeah. And that was, like, such a big example of that where it was… I wanted to do this hike with my friends and then do this other thing. And now my day is not what I, like that was more what I was upset about than anything of like, are my friends okay? Am I going to be, you know, this isn't what I was expecting. And the sooner you can just surrender to like, nope, it's cactus hands day. We are not going (laughs) to be exercising on this hike and you're going to be different day than you were expecting. But like you allowed it to be fun instead of like resisting. Mm. That's always that's the aim, I guess.
0: Yeah. I mean, getting like, just (laughs) letting reality be okay is like (laughs) uh, maybe the whole point of why we're here. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Do you feel like you've gotten better at that of like pivoting when something like being, holding looser your plan and being okay when things need to twist?
0: Yes. That was actually like, so I just, got back from my third Vipassana retreat like on the 22nd and the (laughs) the big takeaway from that was like so I went into it knowing what to expect sort of like thinking that I knew okay I know when to put the gas on and I know when to put the brakes on in like this practice and how it's laid out over the 10 days I'm going to I'm about to have a kid. I got to get my fucking shit together. Like, I'm going to take, I'm going to, like, get rid of my anger and, like, get to the bottom of, like, everything that's wrong with me. And I get there and I, I work my butt off for five days. And then, like, day six, I'm just, like, the, the practice, like, pushed my face up against the glass pane of, like, you don't get to choose when you get fixed you can make effort you can show up but you don't get to like dictate when when this timeline happens so you don't have control over anything not even yourself so like stop trying to have control and just relax into this journey you are you you can't not be you and it wasn't pleasant like it never that that realization at least at the retreat never felt like a relief in any way it was only hard it was only sad grief resistance not until i left did i see how much actual headway i made in that regard or just even, like, understanding that this is a long journey and a daily, hourly, minutely choice and the only way to, like, you just have to keep putting one foot in front of the other. There's not going to be, like, some big solution or one day that, like, everything is better. Yeah. And also, I think the illusion, like, that we've been, like, sort of taught to expect things to just get progressively better and better as life goes on shattered this year I think for a lot of people and like that that was very confronting at the retreat and just being okay with that what if it just doesn't get better and better what if it just is and it goes up and down maybe it gets worse and worse you have to just show up for all of it there's no yeah and it's not linear it's not linear which I think our brains
1: like linear our brains like control you know Mm -hmm. which is not how it is actually and maybe i've been thinking a lot about like anger (laughs) and feeling and that i you know i think i'm perceived as this like bubbly sunshiny sparkly person and that's because i'm i've gotten so good at like putting these things down Mm -hmm. that probably need to be felt and i'm trying to figure out how to feel them and express them and it sounds like day six for you, you were feeling some of this pain, grief. Mm -hmm. And then when you're in it, like it doesn't feel good, but it sounds like what made you realize when you got home that there was some progress made?
0: I think just the feeling, the juxtaposition of myself in relation to other people. So I I came home and saw Steve, my partner, and was like, oh, something shifted oh I'm not reacting the way that I was oh I'm I feel softer oh that's cool inside I caught something at the retreat this time that I hadn't heard before he said Goenka is like the the guy the uh the Vipassana guy can you define a Vipassana retreat yeah so basically like the technique is but don't forget
1: though The guy and what you're gonna
0: say. Okay, yeah. Well, I'll say that first. Okay, please, because it's really quick. It's he says, don't suppress and don't express. Observe. Observation is the middle way. So, okay, you feel anger coming up. Don't suppress it. Yeah, there it is. But also, don't express it because that could be harmful to you or others. Yeah. Um. But you can observe it. How do you observe it? That's where vipassana technique comes in because If you try to observe it by observing your thoughts, you're just going to, like, kind of throw gasoline on the fire. Like, that, you're, like, thinking about who you're mad at or why you're mad at or what's—you're trying to find, you know, find the reason for your anger. That doesn't actually help. What helps is going to the sensations in your body that are coming up because those are observable. So, like, the anger is manifesting as, like, burning in my stomach. I'm going to just observe that burning, and then that sort of just, like, takes the edge off of the mental, like, combustion that's going on when you, like, come to a sensation. So, Vipassana is—the the 10-day retreat is structured. That was, like, really profound. Oh. That, yeah, that's— I'm <laughs> not, not my idea. I'm not taking ideal. that in, but,
1: yeah. <laughs> Define it. I want to come back to that.
0: <laughs> so, the first three days are— they teach you a technique called anapana, which is essentially just breath observation. So you're, you're trying to like, you know, you're coming off the street, you're coming out of like daily life, which is so crazy. You're coming into silence and you kind of like need a buffer to arrive. Yeah. Like and sort of try to focus your mind and you focus on this very small area, like at the entrance of your nostrils and like just observe the breath naturally. You're not controlling the breath. It's not, uh, what's the What do the yogis call breath control? Pranayama. It's not pranayama. It's just breath observation. So um, you do that for three whole days. And it's like 10 and a half hours a day of just really hyper-focusing your mind on this one area and the breath. And then in the afternoon on day four, you take that like, hyper-awareness that you've um, honed in and start Vipassana, which is essentially a body scan. You start at the top of the head and basically go like two inch by two inch chunk all the way down your body. So all of the scalp, all of the face, the arms, both, both arms, down the chest, stomach, back, upper back, lower back, down each leg, all the way to the toes. So. So observing? Like, trying to feel sensation on the surface of your, on on your skin, essentially, like your surface area. So trying to feel sensation on each and every inch of your body, which the first time I did this, I literally broke into tears, like at the stomach. Like I'd never been in my stomach before. Right, right, right. (laughs) I'd never taken my awareness there. It was such a scary place. The stomach is only like, the place where all my shame is, all my fat is, all my like, you know, body image stuff. It can be a really hard thing to do for the first time. So you do the body, like day four and a half through day five is just going head to toe, head to toe, head to toe, like over and over again, body scan, trying to feel sensations everywhere. Day six is going head to toe, toe to head. Day seven is then trying to work like symmetrically through the body so you can move a little faster. Like you're going um, where it's easy to go symmetrically, like your arms and your legs, you go symmetrically. And then day eight is I wasn't feeling my first one. I wasn't feeling flow, but like some people start to feel a flow of sensations, of subtle sensations throughout the body, so you can sort of start flowing, and then you can, again, go slowly, part by part. Um, Day nine, you start to go, like, inside. So you're taking this awareness and trying to feel sensations inside your body, so you can, it gets pretty psychedelic when you start feeling, like, your organs and, it was an interesting trip this time with the baby in there. Yeah. Because it actually, like, I could feel the force field around her. Like, oh, that's Whoa. not my nervous system. I actually, like, can't access this whole portion of my so wild. body, which was uh, unexpected. For some reason, I thought I would be able to get in there. But that was another, like, control part. Like, oh, yeah. right. This, this being is inside me, but this being is not me. This Whoa. is a total so, other entity. Oh my God, so wild. <laughs> <laughs> and then… Once you get to that level, you can start, like, by my second retreat, I was able to start feeling my body, like, the very subtle s- vibrational sensations that can sort of connect you to the fact that, like, this is all um, fluid. Like, there, there's nothing different between the atom of my skin and the atom of the air. Like, and I kind of, like, you can, like, melt into the atmosphere. It's so psychedelic. And I went into this one, like, craving that experience again, mm-hmm. which is the antithesis of Because you had that the first two times? No, just the second time. The first time I was in so much pain, I was just, like, sort of wrestling that. But I, but I could see—so the, the, the point of feeling these sensations is not just to, like, feel— it's to feel and stay equanimous to whatever you're feeling, what so does f- that mean s- like unattached? stay objective, like um yeah, unattached, but unattached feels disassociative to me because you like you want to stay in the feeling, but not assign not take it personally, like not assign any meaning to it, or so when you're feeling a good sensation it, Ah, a good sensation. When you're feeling a bad sensation, look, a bad sensation. A phrase that I caught on to this time, too, that really helped me was that these sensations are just impersonal changing phenomenon over which you have no control. (laughs) Which was like, oh, wow. Okay, I have a lot of work to do. Yeah. Wow. (sighs) Wow. Yeah, so I was just in a
1: lot of pain the first one. Because um, I think I saw you, that was when I saw you in Times Square right after the first one, between the first and the second. Yeah. Because I remember you coming back, even though you were in a lot of pain, you were like,
0: this is something. <laughs> Dude, it's something. The, where the real change happens is developing equanimity. So just like whatever you feel, if being able to stay equanimous to it at the micro level of sensation just kind of like ripples out into every other facet of your life without you trying without mm-hmm. you thinking about it so like yeah you might still get like annoyed at the internet that's not working but you don't get as annoyed right, like right I'm right. not in tears whereas like maybe three years ago like that situation that you just walked in on I would have been like throwing things Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I'm just like that's annoying yeah yeah. Yeah. Well, do you still think it's
1: a different day to day because I feel like I've had I haven't done one, but I really want to and I and I hope I will. Do you still feel like you have days where w- when I've done things that have been really helpful and useful, it hasn't I haven't seen like a a washing over effect of like a gentleness across the board. Like I still have such fluctuation in days like depending on my cycle and where I am in my period and how like I can start off feeling great and then just get broken down. And by the end of the day, I am like something small can really take me out. And then the opposite too, where I'm observing like the amount of dopamine that I've gotten from like a nice text from someone or like a mm-hmm. nice email can really propel me to like, you know, something that would annoy me and be like, mm, I'm, no problem. You know, mm-hmm. like I feel so, do you feel like it helped with that? I feel like I'm so easily swayed by those things. Do you think it helped ground you in that?
0: Definitely. And and I there are fluctuations day to day, but each retreat I've done has like changed the baseline. Because mm. I think you're actually really dealing with nervous system shit. Yeah. And it like changes your nervous system. Yeah. And like heals a lot of that old trauma yeah. stuff that, so yeah, like, I mean, I'm not perfect. Like, I'm still angry. Like, and th- again, that <laughs> that's what I was shown this time. Like, I was using this practice to try to get perfect, just like I use everything. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's not the point. You're not yeah. going to get perfect. So just get with the program. Yeah. <laughs> just get with the moment.
1: Or it's progress, you know, like we're yeah. constantly always in process and processing and forgetting and remembering. And that's part that's it that's part of it and it'd be so boring if there if we were like
0: and enlightenment scene, right you know totally but yet that's what i'm expecting yeah it's i'm constantly surprised by my training <laughs> yeah yeah i think it
1: i don't know it just sounds really I, I think the nervous system thing feels feels very correct i was i was talking to a friend a, a couple weeks ago about someone that I just, and, and you seem like one of these people to me too, even like way before these retreats and ever since I've met you where I have this habit of really like looking at it. I mean, we all do, I guess, but, you know, putting people on pedestals and, and just thinking like, wow, I could never be like that. Or just, um, you know, admi- admiring people, I guess. And I was talking about someone in particular and I was saying how effortless they were. I was like, they're just so effortless and they're so cool. And I kept using words like that. And she was like, and this, fr- this friend of mine, you would really like her actually. And she was just, you know, kind of called me out on it. It was like, all you're saying there when you are when you keep using those words is that they're relaxed. The only thing about that that's different from that person and you is that they manage their nervous system well.
0: Mm. And whenever,
1: what you're observing as cool and effortless is a well-managed nervous system of like they're you know, I don't give a fuck is really just like they are being themselves and they're mm-hmm. in their bodies and you're up here, you know, observing that and observing all these things and like that's yeah. all it is. So I, instead of trying to like be cool, I'm just trying to calm down, <laughs> you know, and that is cool. And that's really helped
0: me. <laughs> yeah. There's a lo- lot to that. I want, I, I came out of this one realizing i like try to muscle my way through so much Mm. and like put full force in behind everything that i make effort at and you that like literally chokes the experience of the thing there's this beautiful balance between putting an effort like where effort and surrender meet is a real like pivot point Mm, yeah like okay i i I put in effort and then I, I meet basically physics halfway. <laughs> and then you have to power. let let nature yeah. do the rest. Like, And I felt it in my voice like when I sang for the first time after this retreat I was like oh my god that's how Madison Cunningham does it. I don't know if you guys know who she is but she's so good. She's so effortless. I watch mm-hmm. her sing and I'm just like oh my god I can never do that. It's like Just flowing out of her mouth. And it's like I got a little glimmer of how that's possible just in how relaxed my body was. Like, oh, if I, I mean, 90% of what I need to do, quote unquote, to sing better is like do nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Like learn how to relax all those tiny muscles around my throat to just let the sound come out. And I need to do that in my meditation too. Like, I, I sit down on the cushion and I make effort to feel and then i have to like allow nature to do the rest. Wow. That's yeah i was curious if if
1: this was like how this impacts your creativity, like how this relaxing or or how these each one has affected how you and, and just what you were saying about learning to manage your nervous system like how that's impacted your work.
0: I think it's honestly helped me work harder and smarter, mm. because I think before I was afraid to, um, like, practicing wasn't fun, especially once music took on is, like, a job and took on all this, like, pressure to perform at a high level or, like, be a certain way or be cool or whatever. There wasn't much joy in it anymore. And connecting to sensations the way Vipassana makes you do just helped me, like, feel. <laughs> I mean, This is so hippy-dippy, but just, like, feel the vibrations again yes. of music and how, like, just pleasant that is, which helps me practice more because it's more enjoyable when I'm, like, actually focusing on that part. Just the tactile, like, what does it feel like? My My hand's on the keyboard. What does it feel like? this note like where where does it like resonate inside my head or do i feel it in my like where am i feeling it and just observing that and kind of letting my body ride the waves of of that and then like it's exciting to then once you're aware of certain things you do kind of then are able to control them in a different way so taking voice lessons has been so much more fruitful because It's like I can access these things inside my throat that I couldn't access before because I'm actually willing to go in there and feel it. wow. So yeah, it's been, it's pretty fun.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. You're such a like strikingly talented musician and creative person to me. And as a musician, you know, you've, Followed this sounds so silly, but you followed your dreams and you've toured with so many bands and I remember you know I remember calling you at the beginning of the pandemic, and we had like a really long conversation, and you were talking about music and not being able to tour. And it was just such mm-hmm. a wild time and having to let go of something that you were really excited about and you know putting an album out and so I'm curious if you could talk about that time and what it was like, you know as someone having an identity that is as someone who travels and tours and then suddenly that's gone without a certain future. Can you talk about that time and then, and where you are now?
0: Oh my God. It was so hard. I mean, the identity crisis of that COVID like forced me into was so I could not have a possum on my way out of it. Like I was actually having a really hard time meditating during that time, and was brokenhearted. It was hard to want to connect to my creativity and to music, and yeah, I felt like I'd worked so hard to garner a certain level of success, and then that that could be taken away so quickly and swiftly by n- no fault of my own was r- really hard and. And I'm still working through it. Like, I feel like that's a lot of what I'm tackling, which is like closer to reality than the alternative. It's an illusion that we have control. So I was living a lie that like, look, everything's all, it's an upward trajectory. And like, I'm look at what, how well I'm doing. And it's because of what I'm doing. Like, just like with the snap of a finger, all of that went away. And then there's nothing I could do to change it. And it's interesting, like, because I'm we're seeing, you know, music industry stuff come back. And I, I feel like I'm holding it all so much more lightly. At once, being afraid to be hopeful about anything, but also ha- having a healthy, maybe a healthier relationship with it. Like, yeah, we were lucky to even be able to, like, do it to begin with. So... I'm even more grateful now to be doing it again in the touring sense. And it it really made me, again, like with no feedback from an audience in such a direct way as a live show, I really had to come to terms with why I do music at all. Okay, if I'm going to keep doing it during this pandemic, I'm literally just doing it for me. Do I want to?
1: (laughs) Where did you settle with that?
0: It's still a daily struggle. Music will always be part of my life, but like the way I do it is not always going to be the same. And that's not something I thought I'd reckon with so soon. Mm -hmm. It's going to change. And maybe it won't be the thing I do for money all the time. Thankfully, I still haven't had to really face that, but I might still. It's just having to trust myself that... I would, I will just do whatever it takes to make life happen. I think it freed me up to want to have kids or a kid. I'm having a kid, probably just the one, because before that I was just on like the touring train that might never end. And then like, maybe they were, maybe there would be no room for that. Maybe my heart wouldn't have been open for it because I didn't want to stop. Right. And I had to stop. And then I was like, oh, maybe I'd family seems actually pretty important. <laughs> wow. Like not being alone when I die actually seems pretty important. Wow.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so was, was having a kid, I forgot if we had talked about this, was it something that you'd always wanted or do you think it really, was it kind of in the back of your mind, like maybe, and you think that you wouldn't have ever probably gotten there if you weren't, wouldn't have had slowed down?
0: It's something that I actively didn't want wow. for most of my life. Wow. It was only that. in, I would be in relationships every now and then where I was like, maybe I could have a kid with this person. And then no, no, I couldn't. I Like it didn't go, having a kid didn't go well with my career path, mm-hmm. didn't go well with the partner choices I was making. Mm-hmm. So it just like n- never, it's something I sort of like dismissed as like, I'm probably not gonna have that experience and I'm okay because I like my life. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And then I get together with Steve Gould, the pandemic happened. Well, not in that order, the pandemic happens, I get together with Steve Gould, and like all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, I would love to have a kid with you. (laughs) (laughs) And oh my God, I have the time to do it. Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah, maybe we should just go for it. And then I know this isn't everybody's story, so I'm very sensitive to that, but like I literally. It happened so fast. Yeah. I was I was, ho- I was, hoping it would take a little time yeah. so that I could get used to the idea. I literally got my IUD taken out like March 1st <laughs> and then I was pregnant that cycle. So life didn't give me much of a choice to like warm up to the idea yeah. before we were like, yeah. oh, we're here we
1: go. <laughs> yeah, that was funny because that the last hike we had been on, you said to Val and I like, guys, I think we're going to start trying like pretty soon. And then the next hike we went on,
0: yeah, you're pregnant. <laughs>
1: literally, yeah, it was so A fast. month apart. Yeah, yeah, which is so wild and cool. And so, are you going to go on tour with Lord Huron still soon? Yeah, yeah, I, we leave Thursday. Oh my god!
0: Whoa, I didn't realize it was so soon. Yeah, that's so. How are you feeling? Are you psyched? I'm psyched. Like we have to do like pretty strict COVID protocols, so once we're out there like we can't see anybody oh, there's wow. not going to be any backstage hanging or like we can't eat out like it's it like all all or like 70% of the fun part about touring is taken Aww. away but i'm very thankful to have a job and yeah. get to play music every night like that part is super fun yeah so yeah i'm i'm stoked i'll yeah. miss the hell out of steve but yeah we had cool. all these like touch points planned you know, oh, well, where he I was, was going to say, yeah, and it's not going to work and out. We can't do that now because <sighs> we like they're only letting us see even friends and family like outside.
1: Wow. Wow. So you're really going to be in this like,
0: oh, my God, this container. With,
1: good thing you like them.
0: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um,
1: but wild to be pregnant during, have you made any friends or talked to anyone who's been in a similar position of with you being pregnant and a touring musician?
0: No, but I have contemporaries who are like my the other hired gun in Lord Huron, his wife Anne, who's also a keyboard player, is pregnant, the same amount pregnant as me. Wow. So and she's trying to? Yeah. Wow. So we're basically like it's happening That's all at nice. the same time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is very and it actually seems like there's a movement toward like the the new band that she just got hired in was like, Oh, you're pregnant? Yeah, fuck yeah. Come on. Like People are stoked to have yeah. a pregnant lady on tour. Like, it's so cool. cool. Yeah. I
1: remember <laughs> you telling Val and I that like when you told Lord Hira and they were like so great about it. Yeah. Which is like makes me so happy.
0: It's not what I expected and and so refreshing yeah. to witness in real time. The world change, like to my benefit right when I need it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: I was, I was listening to you on another podcast today actually like to that point. And you said something that, that really hit me and it came up actually in the context of what you're talking about, about the world changing to benefit you. But in this other way, like you were saying kind of not soon enough, like mm-hmm. there, are, there are artists right now who can exist because of the people who came before them that are now in this generation where that wasn't the case for you when you were coming up. And mm. you, know, you actually said in this, So such a bummer and wild and heartbreaking. But someone said to you that if you were thinner, you would be more successful.
0: Yeah, that I'd be famous. (laughs) Who said that to you? Oh man, I I will not say his name, but he know who he is if he's listening.
1: Someone in the go work context.
0: Yeah, he's a bass player in New York um, who was a quote unquote friend. I'm so sorry that happened. It's okay. I mean, yeah, at the time I was like. I was aghast and, and, and also like just took it because I didn't know yeah. how else to how react. How was this? Um, I was probably like 23, 24. How did you react? What did you say to that? I, even in my body right now, I'm just like going stiff. Oh. I, I, I think I just froze. I just didn't know how to like yeah, respond course. to that. Because I think, I think I thought he was right. <sighs> And couldn't believe that he would say it out loud. But like, there's a part of me that believed the same thing. And I I carried that with me for forever, maybe. (laughs) You know, like, I think unhealthfully, I use it as an excuse. Like, well, you know, maybe it wasn't because I didn't work hard enough. Maybe Mm -hmm. it was just because I was Mm -hmm. too fat. You know, like, I don't know what else to attribute, like, whatever kind of success I was hoping for that I didn't get. But the truth of the matter is the closer I get to super successful people who have actually made it on the level that I was hoping to make it as a solo artist, there is some shit there that just like can't be touched that I don't think I had and now can say that without it feeling bad. Like I look at Madison Cunningham or Sarah Bareilles or like Billie Eilish and it's like this wild combination of like talent having the right teachers at the right time, being in the right community at the right time. Yeah. Like, there's so many factors that go into success. Timing. And it doesn't matter what you look like. Yeah. Like, because that can change so fast. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it definitely didn't help. <laughs>
1: well, the next thing you you talked about, the the whole reason I bring that up is because after that, you said something that I've been thinking about all day, which was, you said, I can't be anything other than myself, so I better devil down at figuring out who she is and what she's all about. Mm. And I think that's such a great turning point and lesson for, you know, I'm not an artist, but I think as a person, it's such a positive way to live, to to get to a point. And I feel like now on the other side of my 30s, I'm in this place where I'm finally like, all right, well, this is what I have to work with this time around. Mm-hmm. And the, at a certain point being upset that I didn't have certain resources or certain privileges is really counterproductive Mm. or really a waste of time and being grateful for the uh, immense amount of privileges and lucky breaks and Mm. whatever that I, that I have had. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious where you are, if you could talk about that, about figuring out who you are and doubling down on that. And if there was a turning point where you started to do that and like, who is she? What, what is she all about? <laughs> and where are you with it now?
0: I think that's like part of the just like lifelong journey. I I feel like I, I recognized that I needed to do that pretty long ago, but how to do that is like an ever unfolding process. Mm-hmm. Like how do I accept myself for who I am? How do I recognize my assets and then develop those? How do I recognize my weaknesses and then minimize those? It takes forever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a combination of a lot of things like therapy, voice lessons, working with certain producers, having better friendships, meditating, exercising. It's this big soup of trying shit and seeing what feels right and what doesn't. And it's such a personal journey to like finding out what those things are for you and yeah I'm still I'm still working on it yeah Yeah. like again I there there are parts of my personality that I desperately want to just like go away Mm -hmm. like I was talking about my anger and hatred like I'm so judgmental and the thoughts that I have in the silent meditation retreat that i can't run from are just like god damn it i don't want to be that but here i am i am that yeah and i just have to deal with that the best i can there's not going to be like a silver bullet or like one pill or one retreat or like one meditation session or one album there's not going to be one thing that fixes it it's all going to be ever unfolding
1: yeah I think that's like the, it's, it's like the opposite of control, you know? It's like we can't, we want the, those things, It's it would be so nice if there was a button. It doesn't make it less annoying, even though it's true, you know? Like yeah. a button would be nice, but yeah. also boring. <laughs> <laughs> do you have an entire cabinet full of acne treatments and skincare products, but don't even remember what half of them do? Turns out most skincare products don't actually do much, unfortunately. The best way to treat acne is with fewer products that are clinically proven and customized for your skin. That's why I'm so excited to partner with Apostrophe. Apostrophe is prescription skincare that offers science-based oral and topical medications, and they're clinically proven to help clear acne, and they're helping me so much. It's been really hard for me to navigate my skin Lately and honestly over the course of my entire life and I remember my cousin telling me once when my acne was so bad when I was younger You just have to stick to one thing like you're doing so many things You just have to stick to one thing. It could be this it could be that whatever but stick to one thing and lately I've been sticking to apostrophe and honestly, I stopped using it for a second and my skin pretty much flipped out and I'm back and it's helped and now now I know. Apostrophe connects you with a board-certified dermatologist who will create a personalized treatment plan that is perfectly tailored to your unique skin. We're all so different so that's why this is really important. You just simply fill out Apostrophe's online quiz about your skin goals and your medical history. You snap a few selfies front, side, side, wherever and your dermatologist creates your customized treatment plan. Apostrophe treats acne, but they can also help you with other skincare goals like reducing redness, wrinkles, even dark spots. Not to brag, but I am dealing with all three of those. Aging, acne, all at the same time. Here we are. I'm truly, really loving the products that I have from Apostrophe, and it comes in like really chic packaging. It's so easy to use, and you know, I'm honestly, I'm really not just saying that I to be honest my skin was really bad like it got really bad this summer I was using apostrophe and then I ran out and anyway I finally got it again and it's tremendously helped so I have a really bad habit of picking my skin I get Zits, and then I want them to go away and control and blah 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 and I pick them and then I get these red marks that don't seem to go away and I'm in the sun all the time because I live in California and I love being outside and I'm always walking and I got this really chic sunscreen that has zinc in it and it's for sensitive acne prone skin that I love so so much as well as this retin-a that I use at night that also has uh, acid in it that I really love. And I don't know what you're gonna get, you know? Everyone, that's what's so great about this is that it comes with this postcard and stickers about your personalized prescription bottle. And you don't even have to go in the pharmacy or wait in line. It's really, really tremendous. So we have a special deal for you to save $15 off of your first visit with a board certified dermatologist. Go to apostrophe.com slash let it out when you can use our code Let It Out. This code is only available to our listeners. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash let it out. Click begin visit. Then use our code, let it out at sign up and you'll get $15 off your dermatology visit. That's A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash let it out. And use the code let it out to get your dermatology visit and save $15. We thank Apostrophe for sponsoring the podcast. I'm looking at my notes because I think I had a question about, I want to go back to what you were saying about Billie Eilish and Sarah Bareilles and being around people who you were saying like, there's something that's uncontrollable, right? Timing, being in the right place at the right time. I've been thinking about that so much. so you know, what would you say to your past self or or you at a low when you're not sure how things are going to turn out? You're not in this, you know, now you're in this grounded place with this, but when you're Mm -hmm. still really wanting that, Mm -hmm. because so much of it is preparedness and, you know, grit and developing your craft. But then like you're saying, or I think you're saying at a certain point, you could do all those things. And like, and I think that is kind of the heartbreak of I've been talking about this a lot with my friends where, you know, I think the difference that I found in my 30s from my 20s was I had this like almost confidence or being naive where I'm like, I thought I could do more things. And now I'm just Mm -hmm. kind of at this this place where I'm like, that's probably not going to be the way it the cookie crumbles for me and not even in a mm-hmm. self-deprecating way of just, it's just like not. Just reality. Yeah. And that's okay. I have so much, but how do you wrestle with like, things are so fickle and it's timing. And if this one mm-hmm. thing had been different, like mm-hmm. do you, what would you say to yourself when you're really in that? Or what would you say to yourself now?
0: I think I would try to go back and be real with that girl like my 22 year old self who like just moved to New York and wants to be an artist. And I think there was a lot of damage done in the, in the story we were sold about, like you can do anything or be anything or whatever. That's just not true. You can do what you have capacity for and you can get better at recognizing what you have control over and what you don't have control over. You can develop discipline. Like you can get up early every morning and do the things that make you healthy, like exercise, eat well, meditate you can practice your instrument you can write 2 hours or, towards your novel you can take action steps and then the rest of it that you don't have control over you have to let go of the control or the or the expectation that something is going to come out of that i mean i think it's good to have goals but i also feel like goals can be a little bit uh tricky like it feels like if the goal is something that in the moment you enjoy the process towards, that feels like an, a worthwhile goal. If it's something that in the process, you're like, fucking, I hate this. That right. seems maybe that's, I mean, oh God, I say that. And like, I mean, exercising, like exercising doesn't feel good at first. It's all about building habits, right? Like right, The right, things right. that like are good for you that suck end up feeling great but you have to like push through this uncomfortable zone to get there yeah so even as I'm saying this I'm like what a load of shit
1: well I think it's (laughs) I think both things are true you know like I think heartbreak's like the best because you learn so much from it or going through a hard thing like on the other side of it is so much richness but while you're in it it's not great Mm -hmm. and it's the same thing for exercise but also it's the same thing with goals of like I don't I think that's like a nuance almost Mm -hmm. of like having a goal can leave you feeling really dull if you reach it mm-hmm. and then you're kind of like, oh, this is it, should have aimed higher. Or you don't reach it, that also feels shitty. So right. finding some sort of, what's our new word? <laughs> M- middle way? E- e- equanimity. Equanimity.
0: Yes, there. that's so important. I think like, I've achieved enough success to realize that success doesn't get you the feeling that mm-hmm. you want. Like we're all just like trying to feel good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're like chasing dopamine. <laughs> yeah. And we think that if we get this thing, we're going to feel good. Yeah. And that is such an illusion. So whatever you get, like you might feel good for a minute and then it goes away. Yeah. So like how good can you get at feeling good right now with whatever you have? Yeah. Then you'll that will be your mark of success. You might get that thing that you like, and then that's going to feel awesome because you already feel awesome. Yeah, And then if you don't get the thing, that'll be okay because you already feel okay. So like how how good can you get it feeling good right now? Yeah, it all
1: goes back to nervous system yes. management. Yeah. Like that's, the, we could just stop there. <laughs> totally. <laughs> we fixed it. Yeah, there it is. It's, the answer is It's there. an ongoing thing, turns out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well, nervous system management as the number one part of what I'm about to ask you, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about the creative process, your creative process. I heard you talk about how deadlines and boundaries are actually really supportive to you with projects. And some people that you've supported with their projects will take years and years and years on something. And Mm -hmm. you've seen that. Can you talk about the contrast between those two ways of making something and being exposed to both?
0: Well, I guess I've only observed the kind of creativity that happens where people have like the luxury of time I don't actually know what that feels like in my own creative Mm -hmm. process (laughs) or I mean I guess I did at the very beginning when I was just writing to write and I didn't have like like oh I have to make this record with this amount of time or I set up this session I was just writing because that's just what I did but I personally I don't know how to answer that exactly like I think deadlines help me because I can be really lazy without them Mm -hmm. or I can get really paralyzed without them especially in the like in the last few years when I feel a little bit more disconnected from like songwriting specifically like I said it it used to be something that I just did all the time because that was my outlet yeah and I don't know as life gets like more complicated and busier I don't just sit down and write anymore. I have to actually like make the time to do it. I have to plan it, which means I have to sort of m- make deadlines. So, like I have to book a session in order to like make myself write for that session. And it's wow, it it, it is a different kind of it then becomes like a craft. Yeah. And I still don't really understand it. I just know that like it's harder. It's harder now because I can't just like follow my inspiration and that's going to get even more true with a kid. And I feel like it both hurts and helps the creative process because I do sometimes just sit there banging my head against the wall, but then sometimes I sit there and something cool comes out. And before I could I didn't really have to spend a lot of time banging my head against the wall. I could just sit down when I wanted to. And then like, it felt really natural. And like, maybe it will take somebody outside of me to answer objectively, like whether that's hurt or helped my music. But <laughs> I think like it just is what it is. Yeah. I think it just changes as life goes on.
1: Yeah. Do you feel like when you do get, how do you capture a piece of inspiration to then, Like, I do that when I get an idea, like, I'll write it in my phone because I know I can't do anything with it in that moment. And then usually it's not that great and I forget about it. (laughs) But every once in a while I'll be like, okay, now I can, like, email that idea or do this thing, you Mm -hmm. know? Like, do you capture it when you get it and put it somewhere so then when you are in the studio or you are in a session, you have some nuggets to go off of? Or do you fully just, like, see what comes up that day?
0: I do do that a little bit like with my I mean the phones are so great for that like if I have a lyric idea I'll just like put it in a voice memo or like I have a melody idea and I'll just sing it into my phone those rarely turn into anything but every now and then they do or like it'll be something it'll be an idea that I'm knocking around a lot anyway so then when I sit down it'll it'll be like kind of fresh on my mind um but it's harder with like I I tend to need to be with an instrument to write music. So like when I'm in the car or, you know, it's, yeah. it's harder.
1: Yeah. That makes sense. I want to talk about Genesis, the track, the album, making it, could you define like where it came from and where the inspiration for it? And and I loved that, you know, what you say about your work of like, you do want to help people, but at the end of the day, first it's art and i mm. think that that is such a beautiful v- both like you did such a great venn diagram of of both of those things with this album and i just oh, think it's you. so wonderful
0: thank you i'm so glad you like it i um i wanted to make a record with my friend john joseph the producer and we like got together and and wrote um like five of the songs like just the melody and the production in like two days, they came out so fast. And then the subject matter that was like rolling around in my head a lot at at that time was this, like all of the tropes I've downloaded from Christianity and American conservative social ideas about women and just like challenging all of that. Like, Oh my God. Like just looking inside and seeing how much, I've been outside of the Christian world for like 15 years and still I'm like running on these programs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like some of them became very clear. And I just feel so frustrated that I felt like a slave in a way to ideas that weren't mine. And was just dissecting that a lot over the 2019, 2019. Twenty nineteen. What am I saying? I liked it. <laughs> in the year two thousand nineteen, <laughs> this is what is on my 2019. mind. <laughs> oh my god! um Yeah, so that's just, <laughs> that was what was on my mind a lot, and and then I did my second vipassana, and like a lot of the, the a lot of the lyrics solidified out of that experience, just like being alone out in the desert and like like kind of knowing what love what love I was headed toward wow um and like the freedom I was headed toward from not being a slave to these ideas anymore and I was really excited to have like this group of songs to like put those ideas on and like John was really helpful in like helping me craft that and I I was also, like, kind of dissecting the way Hollywood plays into all of that, Mm. like, with the storytelling and how lazy it is, like, especially the fucking movie A Star is Born. I had so many problems with that. The song Bros is, like, just me hating that movie.
1: (laughs) Wait, how so? Like, what would... Tell me more.
0: I think, like, as someone who has suffered the loss of a loved one via suicide um, and... Knows the music industry inside and out (laughs) Like It was hard to watch a man self-destruct because of a woman's success. Mm. I do not want to see that story anymore. I want to see men show up for women and like that be exciting to them and like push them further into their creativity and make them want to thrive instead of it like them just being like, whoa, is me. My wife is better than me. I'm going to kill myself like a fucking idiot. Totally. Why did they tell that story again? Yeah, and it's
1: even like, Hearing that now feels so antiquated to twenty twenty one.
0: Why? Yes, like they could Not have done wasn't. so many things to that. Yeah. They could. They didn't have to t- tell the story exactly how it has been told in the seventies and in the forties right. and the, like we can go back and watch the original if we want to watch some right. old antiquated shit. Right. <laughs> That was a real missed opportunity. Such a missed opportunity. And like, I hated how celebrated it was. My ears are hot right now. I'm so mad. (laughs) It's
1: It's so funny. I I saw the movie in theaters. I remember, but I, I weirdly think about it often because people tell me like whenever we're playing like, oh, what celebrity? Like I get Lady Gaga and a star is born. Really? often. (laughs) So I hear it, but I'm like, oh, like I kind of like I didn't even track it. But now every time I hear that, I'm going to.
0: You're so much prettier than her she's pretty, but whatever.
1: (laughs) Um, I'll use it as an opportunity to remember what we're talking about. (laughs) Okay. This is a bright, sunny pivot. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Your ears can cool off. (laughs) You have this song that you wrote about loving Steve. Yeah. And it's so beautiful. And I heard you talk about finding someone that made you feel safe to be Mm -hmm. yourself can you talk about romantic love and finding steve and writing
0: that song oh my god well it's such a big question Mm, (laughs) so steve and i like started off like we were best friends for two years when we were on tour with sarah barellis and like we got to know each other in a way that was like, a relationship was off the table. Like, mm-hmm. he was married. I was in a relationship. We were on this tour together. So, there was no pressure to sort of, like, woo the other person. We just sort of, like, we got to know each other really naturally over the two years and, like, fell in love with each other over those two years. Of course, like, we didn't act on it. We Just as people. Just as people. We might have had what the Christians would call an emotional affair, but, like, c- give me a fucking break anyway. <laughs> so... I knew who he was. He knew who I was like through and through, like he saw all of my shit. Mm -hmm. I saw all of his shit and he was some, like we, we stopped communicating over the next five years because like he went back to his life and his marriage and I went back to my life and I like sort of tried to forget about it, but like I never really forgot about him. So when we were able to reconnect, it was just so, I'd been oh, the the five years between when we were friends to then when we reconnected, like I'd been through so much yeah. relational stuff, I'd figured out a lot about who I am and what I need, yeah, you'd I'd been through the ringer <laughs> done a couple like I did a vipassana i I like really looked at myself, I really looked at my relationship to men what what kinds of things I was attracting and why, and um. And then, like, I'd always think of him as sort of like a North Star. Like, I want to be with someone who makes me feel like that.
1: Yeah. Like,
0: who sees me the way he sees me. And I never found it <laughs> outside of him. Turns out. Turns out it had to be him. So when we got together last year, it was, like, so fast and immediate. And again, by then, like, I'd gotten in touch with my body enough to feel the difference between when I'm with someone who makes me feel at ease and when I'm not. And Steve, his body just makes Mm -hmm. like his physical presence in the room just like sets me at ease immediately. And his touch and his hug, his embrace, like I'm just like, I I get enveloped in it and it just, it makes me feel so safe and so at home and so at peace and then all the heady stuff on top of that is also great like yeah. and then we like we have great conversations yeah. and then we like i love the way his mind works i we cohabitate really well like I, it feels like all of the things sprouted from just that like sensational wow. level in a way and yeah i just can really feel the difference so in my nervous system and because of that too like there's no doubt like there was I would carry so much doubt with every relationship I was ever in Mm. before because it was all happening up here like up here and like I couldn't I didn't really trust this my body I didn't trust my body I didn't trust their body so there was always going to be something a little off and and here like we have problems but like there's just a just a grounded like Mm. feeling on such a visceral cellular level that just makes me feel like we can accomplish anything together
1: (laughs) oh I'm so happy for you Misty that makes me so like god that's so nice thank you I'm so happy you have him and that this yeah just as your friend that's just really nice to hear and makes me so happy and optimistic and yeah, I'm like getting a contact high. <laughs> I'm so glad. Do you? So, when did you write the song? Talk about the song a little bit.
0: I wrote this song. I don't know. Sometime after we reconnected, and I would like, I just had this, like it. It came from that assured place of like, I don't know, don't know much, <laughs> but I know I love you. <laughs> I've been working really hard. I've seen myself stick to something. I've seen myself stick to music. I've I've seen myself be um loyal when I really give a shit. And that's how I know I'm going to love you forever. Cuz I feel the same kind of like effortless commitment to you as a person as I do to this like craft I have pursued. And it was so Touching like my stepmom, who I've had like kind of a tricky relationship my whole life with when she met Steve, she didn't say this to me, she said this to my friend. And when she told me it made me cry. <laughs> she she said, My stepmom said to my friend, Steve brings out the side of her that she's only ever allowed to live in music. Mm-hmm. This like playful spirited, like funny. And, like, I felt so seen by her, honestly, for the first time, like, ever touched me so much. But I'm so glad that it's obvious to not just me, like, that it's obvious to my family, too. Like, they see him unlock something in me that I, I've i only ever, like, expressed in my creative pursuit. And, yeah, yeah. nice moment. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, God, I don't even know. Nothing else matters from <laughs> here. <laughs> Okay, well, this might sound, you know, really earnest and and silly, but you you have followed your dreams (laughs) as we've discussed. And is there a moment that you can talk about in your work, or you know, obviously with Steve, where you've just felt a lot of gratitude Mm -hmm. recently, or or it can be from you know the past and touring, or or recently where something's just clicked together, where you felt
0: like a wave of of emotion. What a great question. I feel that pretty regularly with Steve. Just feel, I feel like it's so rare to find the kind of love that we have. And I even, we talk, we talk about, we like, maybe shouldn't talk about it that much because it might make people feel bad. It just feels so, it feels so rare and special and, And it feels like both of us have had enough life experience to not take it for granted. So, like, every day we're just like, holy fuck, I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for you. Like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being on this planet. Wow. Because, yeah, I lived 36 or seven years without that feeling present. And so that's a more familiar feeling is like, oh, fuck this sucks. Fuck, this sucks. Yeah. Fuck, this sucks. And so now every day it's when I wild. wake up, I'm like, this is amazing. This yeah. is amazing. This is amazing. Yeah. And I'm like, it's not lost on me. So, um, yeah, I I feel very grateful for that relationship. I'm, I don't, I've had moments with music, of course, but they're like kind of far away right now because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel more lost in that world than ever before yeah so I'm hoping that some like some juju comes back to that part of my life yeah I think it will I'm excited for you to go on tour
1: thanks okay this is the portion of the podcast where I would like to highlight some of the friend pieces of, of advice that you've given me over the years <laughs> <laughs> or just things I've remembered you telling me at some point and this is a... I don't remember where this was because I'm having a memory now of us. Were we in a... I think I was maybe visiting LA and we had lunch somewhere.
0: Oh, I mean, yeah. When was We it? met at like... Was it Cafe Gratitude Something or like, some, some... Somewhere kind of I hippie. had never been. Yeah, me too. And it was so
1: good. Yeah. We had like a, I don't remember much about it. It just popped into my mind. I feel like
0: it was on the west side. I do too. But I don't remember well, where. Yeah, or, or yeah. why or why yeah. I
1: was here. Anyway, um, maybe it was around Valentine. I don't know. Um. Anyway, I think it was then, maybe, but you were really into Joe Dispenza.
0: Val got me into Joe Dispenza. Yeah, I've changed my mind about him since. Oh, really? (laughs) Go on.
1: (laughs) Well, okay. I'm curious. You were doing this visualization about your and you were seeing yourself on stage. Do you remember this? And then you were like, and then it happened in Germany. Yeah. Which was like so cool and wild. And I really wanted to get into stuff. And I have like half read a lot of his books. And then I tried to do the visualizations. And I like my mind go. I feel like I'm not doing yeah. it correctly. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought it was so interesting. And I wanted to hear you talk about it. But now I'm even more curious about where you are with that.
0: I feel like I'm on such the opposite end of the <laughs> spectrum now. Like it feels like his stuff is coming from the world of like the secret. Like you manifest what you think about, which I'm—I don't know that I don't believe is true, but I think it's kind of missing the point a little bit. Or like maybe can sometimes, at least for myself, can sort of feed the disassociative patterns I have already. Where like I don't want what's now to. Be what's happening now to be happening so I'm going to put my hope in the future Yeah. and what's helping me more is actually getting okay with what's happening now totally so I'd rather do that than like rely on the dopamine hit I get from imagining something else yeah (laughs) that makes so much sense (laughs) I think
1: we were talking about this or law of attraction the secret things that we have found useful to us at some point yeah one day with Val and we were saying like I think you or her said this thing about how I think it's like an Eckhart Tolle line, right? Where he says, who are you to think you know what you want? Mm. Which I think is so good because like it is so him, right? Of like it's now,
0: you know, it's
1: like this is what you have. So to, to be, it's like what we were talking earlier, like to be upset about that the world was in a different place when we were coming up or this opportunity or this is the body we have or whatever, whatever, I think is just like such a
0: waste of energy.
1: Yeah. But it's so hard because we're conditioned in capitalism and beauty standards, blah, 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 to, to want these other things. So that's why like selling Joe Dispenza, the secret, like, of course, it's such a
0: sexy thing manifestation. It's so sexy. I feel like it's, it's a big distraction. Right. Cause it does, it feeds the thing that we want to feed, which is, I think he's right like we're we're addicted to chemicals in our body mm-hmm. that are made by our brains as well as the things that we put in them. So like just like you're addicted to caffeine, you're addicted to negative thoughts mm-hmm. if that's something that you're constantly feeding. Mm-hmm. And so you can get addicted to positive thoughts if that's something if you flip that switch. Mm-hmm. But getting addicted to any chemical whether it's made by your mind or not Seems counterproductive. What if you just unplug from that system altogether yeah. and become objective? <laughs> and it sounds so much nicer because it's like, I think
1: I was so caught in that and still find myself sometimes of like, because it's very alluring. It's kind of like that, that you know, diet starts tomorrow. Like when you mm. get, get a new like mm-hmm. this eating strategy or it's this self-help book or it's this meditate, like this is the thing it's wanting the silver bullet, you know, it's like wanting a button and like, it's really, it feels really good when you have a new, this might be it right before that feeling is such a high. Right. But then once you're in it and it's not working, it's like a really bad low, you know? So to just like take that off the table, off the menu and just be like, well, we're working with what we've got. Yeah. it seems like a, um, there's a lot of peacefulness Mm -hmm. to that.
0: Yeah. Even the premise of the the book that I loved was called is called, um, breaking the habit of being yourself. And I think that actually caused a lot of pain in a way. Like I took that into this last retreat. Like I got to stop being me. I got to stop being so angry I gotta stop all this stuff like you you can't we we are for better or worse sort of like trapped in the biological skins that we have yeah so why not try to learn how to work with that instead of escape it or work against it
1: right right yeah I've been thinking about that a lot because there's this in the 12 steps there's the fourth step right that's like remove your character defects Mm. and I was always like I don't know how to do that and someone (laughs) said to me like you don't have to do it. You just have to, like, surrender and, like, ask them to be removed. And I think what that really means is, like, just allow them, you know? And then you won't, yeah. you won't turn to them anymore, maybe.
0: I think Ramdas says, like, that have tea with them. Right. Like, in, right. In, invite them in for tea. Yeah. It's just them. our ego, you know? And yeah. it's, like,
1: there to keep us safe. And, you know, being angry at the ego is, you know— that's exactly what the
0: ego wants, right is for you to get angry at it. Right. Just feed that wolf. <laughs> right, right. It's
1: like that Tower of Rock thing of the the wolf's the one you feed, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: Oh my God. Okay. One one other thing that we I feel like I have talked to you about like 10 million times because it really helped me that day. I was like crying and raining and and mm-hmm. um not Central Park, Times Square. Yeah. And I think I had. I must have just, like, talked to my mom or something while I was down. I was, like, really going through it. And you said to me, you were, like, kind of stern. And you were, like, (laughs) do not call someone who's going to make you lower when you are already low. And that just, like, that alone really helped. Can you talk about that piece of advice? (laughs) Yeah.
0: I mean, like, I have a similar mom experience as you. So Mm -hmm. I can relate and... I have to be really strategic about when I call her. Because I don't not want my mom to be in my life, Mm -hmm. but there definitely have to be boundaries. And I definitely need to be protective of my inner space. And she has a tendency to bring me right where she wants me. Um, Or where where she is, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. So, like, I've learned over time to... Like, make sure I'm in a really good headspace before I talk to her. Or, like, sometimes if I'm in a really good headspace, I don't want to ruin that. Yeah, so, we talk- I wait till i lie. Yeah. A medium headspace. Like, I'm okay.
1: Yeah.
0: I could, I'll let you pull me down a little bit, uh-huh. but I'm not going all the way down.
1: And I'm also not going to ruin my high. I'm not You're gonna not going to kill my, my butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: But I just felt so protective of you in that yeah. moment. I'm just like, Katie, don't talk yeah, to your mom. It was really, really what I needed
1: to hear. And I was really going through it in like a lot of ways. And you were really like clocked that. And I don't, you gave me some other advice that day, but I just remember leaving that. And like, I walked all the way back home to the East Village from up there and just like integrating all the things. You were my Ram Dass that day. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> I My sister has a similar relationship to our mom that you have with yours like I feel like I can remove myself a little bit more because I didn't actually like grow up in the house that my mom uh, lived in. So like, there's just more separation. But my sister is like very in it yeah. with her, and I just I'm like constantly trying to be like, dude, don't get in. Like you're feeding yeah. you're feeding the wolf. Yeah. Like I know you want a relationship with her because she's your mom, but also she's a she's dangerous. So. Yeah. You have to—I wish I could infuse in you the freedom that comes from detaching from her and, like, allowing her headspace to be her own instead of it glomming on to yours and then dragging you down with it. Because it feels inevitable with that tie between mothers and daughters that you just, like—they know exactly what to say to get you in the web, and then and you're helpless to it. And I just wanna save everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: you you saved me. It's gotten better like since that point. Good. Yeah. I mean ups and downs, but <laughs> yeah, that Bound- really helped. Boundaries.
0: Boundaries with moms are so hard. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Distance helps, I think. Okay. So shall we do some Fun rapid fires? Yeah. What's the best thing you've eaten in the last week?
0: Oh, my God. Sorry, not so rapid fire. Take your time. The best thing I've eaten. Have you been having any strange cravings or anything? Sadly, no. All my cravings were in the first trimester th- and they were basically to avoid oh, yeah, we really being sick.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was like you we were we were talking about that cactus hands, like the white pies and um, like. white
0: food and meat is like all I wanted. Yeah. So I wanted rotisserie chicken and bacon and burgers and potatoes, like breakfast potatoes specifically. <laughs> I don't know. Food hasn't really been doing it for me <laughs> lately. Like, I'm—it's so boring. I've been eating so boring. I think my favorite thing to eat is the fried mac and cheese ball from Sage—the oh. gluten-free vegan mac and cheese ball that has buffalo sauce on oh, it. That it's sounds crazy really good. good. Wow. Yeah, that sounds really good. You're
1: someone who. I admire, obviously. Has there been like a piece of advice or a shift in your mindset other than so many that you've already shared from Vipassana that has helped you or stuck with you from recently or from a long time ago?
0: I think, yeah, I already said it, but this last Vipassana retreat where I heard the lines, these sensations are impersonal changing phenomenon over which you have no control. I mean, I think that's going to be like my mantra for the next few years. (laughs) Definitely taking that into my birthing experience. (laughs) What's your favorite part of your life right now? All of the newness, being pregnant and being in love and Mm. not knowing what to expect. I've always thought I knew what to expect. Yeah. What's a lesson on
1: friendship that's helped you? that you've learned
0: oh my god you have to invest in the people that you love it doesn't just happen like Mm. good friendships especially as an adult when you don't have school or something obvious like keeping you together like being really intentional about i mean covid was such a great teacher in this like it's so obvious who makes me feel great and who doesn't Mm -hmm. and I want to be around the people who are awesome and and invest in that like make time to spend together like make sure I remember their birthdays make sure Mm -hmm. I give them gifts like make sure that yeah I let them know that they matter to me
1: Mm, that's really nice what about a lesson on that something that's helped you you've talked a lot about Steve but in romantic relationships that you come back to or you know when there is something that comes up that helps you come back trust yourself
0: learn how to trust yourself
1: Mm. what about body image where are you with with body image especially after being pregnant where were you before how has that helped you be more in your body
0: this is probably going to be so annoying but it's helped so much to be loved Mm. the way that steve loves me i don't see myself the same way it That I used to. I don't worry about my body as much as I used to. Just being with someone who loves my body and actively loves my body so much has unlocked a lot of the food issues and body image issues. And so it's been really fun to just like to be pregnant, you have to get big. And that's actually one of the reasons I was afraid to have children because I didn't want to get fat. And so it's been really fun to experience. Getting big because I'm growing a person, and my partner loved the shit out of it. Like he loves my pregnant body, and it's so freeing.
1: <laughs> you know, it's really funny because, as you know, I think I asked this question like body image. What do you do on a bad body image day? And I used to do more when I was more in it, but it was you know something that has been you know one of the through lines through this through about four hundred of these, and recently. So many people have been saying that answer and starting mm. it out just like you have. Like, I know, it's like, I shouldn't say this, but actually my partner. And it's so funny because I don't think it's, it doesn't make me sad. It just makes me like, wow, that's we're, how we're wired. You know, yeah. like we are meant to be in community and help each other and be connected. And yeah. it is hard on your own oh, to yeah. remind yourself. And totally, I've been toying with that a lot of like, seeing how I can get so easily swayed through outside validation like I was saying of like I don't love that that nice text from someone or someone having a crush on me like makes me feel so good and I also don't like that that rejection makes me feel so bad like I wish I could just be stable but it's like no like that's just I think how it is yeah yeah
0: yeah we're affected by each other yeah there's no escaping it yeah
1: that's really interesting where are you with spirituality? God happens when we die now, today. How will you talk to your kids about that?
0: Well, I feel like death is just an exchange of energy. God, that sounds so. I'm listening to myself be so annoying. Um, I don't think that, it sounds annoying. That's <laughs> that's how that's where I'm at with it right now. It, it feels just like another um, change. Like everything's always changing, and then. That it's just a transfer of energy into another thing that we don't really, that I don't really know or understand. And I hope I'm like brave enough to just like watch it happen instead of brace it fearfully. Yeah. Brace for it fearfully. Yeah. I
1: always love the Ram Dass thing about death of like taking off a shoe that's too tight. Yeah. Right? What about your thoughts on social media or phones, technology? What's your relationship with that? How how do you interact with it?
0: Oh my god, reluctantly, but it's so necessary for what we do anymore. Like having a job in the entertainment business of any kind, like just requires that you be on social media to some extent. And so I try to see the good in it, like the that it can be so connective. Mm-hmm. But I also am very aware of how easily I get trapped in the loop and the addictive qualities that it has and how that changes my brain and like my creativity and sucks my time. That's the most sad part to me is like, I feel like it robs me of my, what's that word when you like, not constructive thinking or like critical thinking. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There we go. Like Mm -hmm. a simple word like that is just not there the boredom that used to be there where so you'd have to like get creative with what you're doing with your time or you know where I used to just like sit down and write a song now I fucking pick up my phone and I look at Instagram and I hate that yeah yeah it's a bummer isn't it (laughs) it's a real bummer
1: what about creativity though like what is a lesson that's helped you or how do you come back to it when you've been feeling a bit off or uninspired is there anything that has helped you
0: Um, I have had the tendency to sort of try to force it. Like, I think, you know, listening to a lot of alpha life hacky podcasts, (laughs) I hear the, you got to like sit down and do it. You have to like, you know, make time for it, which I do. But lately that's felt really hard and uninspiring in a not good way. And I had a friend recently say like, dude, take a break it's okay to take a break and like come back when you're feeling inspired. And I was like, really, is it okay? I don't know yet, but it seems like I should try that if the, if the forcing it isn't working.
1: Yeah. I think, I
0: think that seems really
1: wise. Yeah. Like anytime I've ever tried to force anything, I just feel really bad and it never works. Yeah. But it also like feels really counterintuitive for our, types of personalities who Mm -hmm. want to control and move forward. And that's also very addictive. Mm -hmm. I kind of did that recently, like for the last several years with my writing where I just like, I was writing all these essays and pitching them and getting rejections. And then I just stopped. And I was like, I don't think it's my time to be writing. I don't think I really have anything to say. I think I have some more life to live and lessons Mm -hmm. to learn. And I just stopped and maybe I'll start again. Maybe I won't. I don't know. But it felt better than like trying. That was making myself feel really bad. <laughs> yeah. I don't know.
0: Yeah. There's, there's some grief in like letting go of something that you, like I see myself as a songwriter and an artist and like, who am I if I'm not yeah. trying to do that? I don't know, I might need to find out. Like, I might need to, like, just stop for a minute.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't make... You have such a body of work. Like, it doesn't mean you're not a songwriter because you are. It's part of you. And I have no doubt that in the next 50-plus years of your life, you're going to write so, so many songs. But even if you didn't, you have this whole body of work that, like, I think that alone is impressive mm-hmm. and makes is your identity whether you're doing it or not
0: thank you for some reason i feel like that's not enough like the the hamster wheel like constant productivity is very is very wired Mm -hmm. but i think again i mean covid is ripe with lessons
1: (laughs) Well, I think that's capitalism to make you think that. and right. I think that's like our society of like, well, if I'm not doing and creating, then who am I?
0: Right But you've done and created, and you are <laughs> right and just being is being yeah. like and it's enough or like it it kind of needs to be, yeah. even if you don't feel like it is well too bad, like it is, yeah. <laughs> Is there anything
1: you want to recommend, like something that you've been reading, a movie, a TV show, music, artists that you've been listening to, anything you've been pondering, anything you want to recommend or share?
0: I highly recommend Vipassana retreats. Of course, I've recommended them to some of our friends who come back and they're like, fuck you. I didn't like that. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm also reticent to recommend Vipassana retreats. But it's been so personally life-changing for me. And I just, I feel like in the, the society that we're in now, like people can really benefit from silence.
1: I got to do it. I've been wanting to do it since that day in in times square and finally going to do
0: it. Yeah. It's, it's the hardest thing you'll ever do and the most rewarding.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it could be, I really had that thought like last week. I kept, what kept coming up was I need space. I need more space. I need more space. Mm. And I just meant like away. I'm so scared of space so I just yeah. fill my time.
0: Yeah. But
1: I think that would be really good for me, for everyone. Maybe some, some whoever wants to.
0: <laughs> yeah. No <laughs> pressure. To choose your own adventure. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> anything else? Do you feel good? Is there anything else you wished I would have asked that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to?
0: No, you're so... I loved everything we mm. talked about. Thank you for Thank you for being
1: my friend. Aww. That means so much. I'm, I'm so glad that I met you and that every interaction that I'm like remembering right now over the years. Remember, when I, I think I picked you up in Detroit and we like went and got lunch at Whole Foods. Remember yeah, that? Yeah, when
0: I was on tour with Alina Baraz. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. We've really, <laughs> we've been all over. We've been, <laughs> we've been everywhere, man. <laughs> I,
1: I had this thought this morning of like, have you ever observed this is my favorite part of the podcast when we get a little bit loopy and like both have to pee and we're just. <laughs> yes, like, I'm sure you really have to pee. Um, I'll I'll wrap up, but I just had a moment of like thinking of maybe because I was th- knowing I was doing this today and I was thinking about when we met and like, have you note like I feel so different from how I felt even a year ago or last year and just like I- observing, not even growth necessarily like that gives it too much credit, but just mm-hmm. like contrast you know yeah and thinking of all these times I'm like I was where you were where I was like just so wildly different than where we are now
0: totally I mean so much life has happened yeah both personally and like globally and yeah yeah I don't trust anyone who hasn't come through it not changed yeah
1: yeah and it's good that's the whole reason I brought it up because I I feel like that's a really cool thing about friendship is that you can observe these memories and 10 years from now we'll remember you know yeah crying at urgent care and Glendale or you know hugging and And wondering
0: if there's still (laughs) cactus in your hands yeah (laughs) I love you
1: so much thank you for doing this and I'm just so so happy for you and this is I'm so happy to know you and for your work. Okay, so we'll let out a deep breath. Inhale. Let it out. (sighs) Thank you, Misty. Thank you, Katie. Love you. Bye. Bye. That's my episode of Misty If you are still listening all the way to the end The emoji for this week's episode Is the piano I wonder if we did that last time The keyboard because Misty plays the keys And is playing the keys right now In the band Lord Huron which I love Also from Michigan like me So if you are listening to the very end, please comment the keys on Misty's Instagram, on my Instagram. She's Misty Boyce on Instagram. And I am at Katie Dalebout. And follow Let It Out. It's Let It Out with three Ts. And it's a really great way to not only find out about the show, but I also share other things that are Let It Out related. Speaking of, in process, the membership that I lead, it's a four-month membership that we do in semesters. And it's about creativity and finding community and connection around our creative process and just navigating personal growing and becoming better at being ourselves and feeling less alone. So I believe it's cyclical doing all of that. So we have a different theme each month. We start in September with the theme being space so creating space digitally our guest this month is jezebel who is helping us create digital boundaries and create space in our inbox and with our files we've had a feng shui consultant come and help us create space in our homes angie last week's guest and then next month we move on to gather taking in inspiration and ideas and experiences the guest that month is madeline de la rosa the filmmaker who has been on the podcast and many of you know and love she will be the guest which is very exciting and then the next month we move into trying so this is when things get messy and you throw things at the wall and you see what sticks and that month it's laurie Lori youssef who is tremendous and one of my favorite people that i've had on this podcast And then the last month is share. So that month, the guest is Heidi Baker, the founder and designer of Ozma California, one of my favorite fashion brands and a really close friend of mine. So she will be here, which is really exciting. And it's not just guest conversations. It's interactive. So you'll be able to ask them whatever you want. It's on Zoom. And that's not just the only thing that we do each month. So there's a co-working session where we do two Pomodoro techniques and we all go around and say what we're working on. And then we take a break together and then continue on and we do a Dharma talk each month where I talk about the theme and we all connect and share what we're learning and going through in real time and there's small groups and a Mighty Networks group and You can read all about it on the website, but if you would like to be there, I would love to have you send me an email if you're at all confused or have been considering it. I would really love to see you there. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast and listening all the way to the end and supporting the sponsors and the guests. It really means so much. I would love to talk to you more. So send me a message on Instagram or send me an email and I will talk to you next week with a fresh episode.